0: Hello, and welcome to A Class Half Full, a podcast which looks at the legal class action system in Australia. My name is Douglas Campbell, and I'm a barrister based in Brisbane. It's been a while since I filed an episode. I know that to be the case because since the last time I did anything, I have transformed or like a butterfly, or perhaps should I say... Uh, metamorphosed from a QC into a KC. Uh, a metamorphosis is, is normally a, a physical change, and I can say there's been a physical change as well, and to deal with that, I've started taking up park runs on a Saturday morning. I thought that as now I had a moment to think about things, I might delve into something which is perhaps a little bit more complex and controversial, that is, common fund orders. I aim this podcast towards a broad spectrum of people, particularly lawyers who know little about the class action system. And so I think it's necessary at first to explain what a common fund order is and how it developed, how it was used, and in what way that use has changed. All in all, I think this topic is likely to spread out over about four episodes. In the old days, and here I'm talking about before 2016, funders were naturally concerned that they were not going to receive appropriate reimbursement for funding a class action. In order to ensure that an appropriate return was paid, funders and plaintiff lawyers would undertake a book build before the commencement of an action. That is, they would sign up potential group members who would agree to pay the funder a commission of any damages that they may receive if the funder funded the action and the action was successful. This effectively, in fact, more than effectively, it did create a contract between the funder and each group member, which could be enforced in the normal way that contracts can be enforced. By doing this, funders had some security that they were to receive their money. But of course, a book building exercise involved obtaining the participation of a sufficient number of group members to make the exercise economically worthwhile. The cost of marketing a class action to group members to build an economically viable book prior to commencement was both significant and prohibitive for many funders. There was, of course, advantages with book building. The Law Council of Australia noted that the need for a funder to book build acted as a natural break on competing actions funders had to go to the market with their funding proposals. If there were insufficient interest for a given funder, the funder did not proceed. There was, in this sense, natural selection before any action was commenced. There was, of course, an anomaly in all this. If a funder was relying on payment from those members who had signed up and entered into a funding agreement. Then, if the action was an open class action, other group members who had not signed up could take advantage of the action and the benefits flowing from it. The result is that there could be a disproportionate payment between different categories of group members, namely those who had signed a funding agreement and those who had not. To get around this, a practice developed of closing the class so that only those members who had signed the funding agreement could participate and benefit from the action. I imagine this had a significant effect in ensuring the group members signed up to the action. However, it in turn had one insurmountable problem. And that was, if you hadn't signed up with a funder, you did not form part of the class action and your cause of action against the respondent remained alive. In other words, closed class actions didn't have the benefit of putting to bed once and for all, all issues concerning the conduct in question. Respondents were naturally wary of settling an action in circumstances where another identical action could arise in the future. This uh, somewhat unsatisfactory middle ground created by book building and closing a class moved in favour of the funders in 2016 through the use of section 33ZF of the Federal Court of Australia Act. Section 33ZF is the most useful section. In fact, It's worth reading all of the Section 33Z parts of uh, Part 4A uh, because they're all interesting and and dynamic. They're the catch-all sections uh, with regard to class actions generally. Section 33ZF provides that in any proceedings, including an appeal, the court may, of its own motion or on application by a party or group member, make any order the court thinks appropriate or necessary to ensure that justice is done in the proceeding. Um, A similar uh, open-ended provision, although more restricted because it deals with settlement and discontinuance, is found in Section 33 v which I think I've discussed uh, before. Uh, That section requires that settlement or uh, or discontinuance of a class action requires approval of the court. If the court gives such approval, it may then make such orders as are just with respect to the distribution of any money paid under a settlement or paid into court. Using Section 33ZF, an order was sought in a case called MoneyMax and QBE Insurance in 2016 for the court to make a common fund order soon after a funded class action had been commenced, binding all group members, whether or not a funding agreement, agreement had been signed, to contribute to the cost of the action from which they were benefit, benefiting. Uh, the court permitted such an order to be made and at an early time in the case. The effect of money max was, was explained by Justice Murphy in Pearson and the state of Queensland in the following terms. The common fund orders mean that all class members will pay the same pro rata share of legal costs and funding commission from the common fund of any amounts they receive in settlement or judgment. It is in the interests of justice in the proceeding that the burden of the legal costs and litigation funding commission charges incurred in achieving any favorable result falls equally upon all class members who stand to benefit from that proceeding. A common fund order was then of considerable benefit to a funder and funders of course played a significant role in the class action regime. According to Professor Morabito, data suggests that 60.5% of all class actions filed in Australia between March 2017 and March 2021 were supported by funders the effect of the order in MoneyMax meant that the need for funders and plaintiff lawyers to book build before the commencement of a class action was obviated. It's it suggested in academic writing, and I'm sure it's the case, that the existence of common fund orders led to a substantial increase in the number of funded open class actions. Conversely, it also decreased the use of a closed class in funding actions. Once again, according to Professor Morabito, in the three years preceding MoneyMax, 33% of funded class actions were closed. In the three years post MoneyMax, and a time when the courts were able to make common fund orders, Closing the class was reduced to under 10% of funded proceedings. The effect then of a common fund order was that it gave confidence to a funder to secure a financially viable return. A significant change took place in December 2019 with the High Court's decision in... BMW Australia and Brewster. That decision, together with a similar action commenced in New South Wales, concerned defective airbags in motor vehicles. The High Court overturned an early Common Fund order that had been made, finding in effect that Part 4A did not authorise the provision of a com- Common Fund order at least at an early time in the litigation. This in turn generated great uncertainty as to whether the funder behind the action would continue to fund it, as in the absence of a common fund order and in light of the modest value of individual claims, it it became necessary for the funder to resort to the old method and sign up as many claimants as possible in order to ensure that the proceeding remained financially viable. The decision in Brewster, which was not unanimous, it was a 5-2 majority, held that the federal and New South Wales class action regime did not empower trial judges to make what is called commencement common Fund Orders, that is, Common Fund Orders prior to the settlement of a claim. A joint judgment was handed down by Chief Justice Kiefel and Justices Bell and Keane. The two dissenting justices were Justices Gagler and Edelman, who each wrote separate judgments. In very general terms, Brewster clarified the basis upon which a common fund order may not be made and in doing so set some limits on Section 33 ZF as a gap-filling power. The result has been to reduce the interest litigation funders have in Australian class actions as the early certainty of the nature of the return they could have expected to receive had been removed. In the next episode, I propose to look a little bit more at Brewster, but predominantly on the post-Brewster jurisprudence and the type of conduct which the courts have considered can be taken in order to make Brewster more appealing to funders. Thank you for listening.